0: Six thirty, Chad afternoons with Jalen Nye, weekdays at two on
1: Six Thirty, Chad. But we start today with a closer look at what has been called an institutional crisis within the Canadian military. Now, in February, Global News was the first to report allegations of inappropriate behavior leveled against former Chief of Defence Staff General Jonathan Vance. Admiral Art MacDonald was his successor but within weeks stepped aside after allegations were leveled against him as well. The military police continue to investigate and it hasn't stopped there. More allegations have been made against other high-ranking officers and multiple women have stepped forward to share their allegations of high-level sexual misconduct in the Canadian Forces. Now, late last month, Ottawa announced another external review into sexual misconduct in the military, headed up by former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour. The current acting chief of defense staff is Lieutenant General Wayne Eyre. He said at the time, we have to welcome scrutiny with humility lieutenant general air joins us this afternoon Uh, lieutenant air welcome to 630
0: chad it's uh, great to be with you and great to be able to talk to uh, the people uh, in Edmonton which I miss so much I would uh, much rather be back out there back home in the West
1: (laughs) the question I get asked over and over again uh, general air and I see over and over again when I'm reading posts on any of these stories is simply this and this is what I'm going to start with with what the hell is going on in the Canadian Armed Forces. Sir, you've been in the military for over 30 years now. From your perspective, you're three plus decades in the military. What has happened or hasn't that has allowed, uh, which has led led to this so-called institutional crisis?
0: So, Jay-Lynn, first let me pull you up uh, to look at the larger perspective so you, you can understand the magnitude of the challenges that we are we're facing. You know, I, I would say right now us as a country and as a Canadian Armed Forces are facing a confluence of challenges that we a greater confluence of challenges than we've ever faced in, uh, in our history before. You know, we're seeing the rise of... Uh, of great power conflict and a reordering of the global order magnified during the the pandemic. Uh, We're seeing uh, polarization within Western democracies uh, polarization of society we're seeing a continued uh, phenomena of uh, extremism uh, both internationally and, and unfortunately domestically we're seeing a rise of disinformation that is affecting uh, national will we're seeing the effects of uh, climate uh, on the uh, on the environment in terms of natural disasters and population migrations and and, and spurring international conflict uh, we're seeing an unprecedented acceleration in technological change change we're seeing uh, our society change in terms of demographics the makeup of society and uh, and norms and expectations all of this in the context of a pandemic that has put us under great stress to the um, to the immediate challenge one of conduct and culture which uh, which you, you talked about at the beginning it's, it's very clear that there are aspects of our culture that has not kept a pace with uh, society aspects of our culture that have been exclusionary uh, so that that uh, all have not felt welcome, or that they can properly belong to this uh, this institution. This has manifested itself over uh, over decades as um, as we've sought to integrate um, our our forces, but we have not done as well as we should have.
1: Lieutenant General Eyre, um, in an interview with uh, The Current, I think it aired last night, you acknowledged uh, that you still have a lot of questions why in, in, in your career you've never seen any inappropriate behavior or or worse in the military. Um, my, Operation Honour defines sexual misconduct as going beyond sexual violence or sexual assault. So I just want to be clear here, are you saying that you've never heard anyone in, in all of your years make a sexual innuendo about a girl, a sexual joke? Or some off-the-cuff comment or a derogatory comment about an LGBTQ member? Because the stats, I mean, you know, if you take a look at the stats, it would show that these behaviors are rampant. Is it possible they they just didn't clue in with you with all due respect at the time or as a problem at the time?
0: So so let me put that in uh, context, uh, Jalen. You know, certainly I have been witness to, uh, to those types of activities. Looking at it through uh, today's lens, uh, absolutely unacceptable. Things like the... Uh, uh, the microaggressions, which uh, at the time you know being blind to uh, their impact, uh, the daily grind that uh, some of our people faced. You know, I personally wish that I had a better understanding of the uh, the impact of some of those actions at the uh, at the time. What we need is a better collective understanding of of that, uh, and, and and take action.
1: Lieutenant General Wayne Eyre joining me this afternoon. He is the acting chief of defence staff for the Canadian Armed Forces. In 2015, the Canadian government had Supreme Court Justice uh, Marie Deschamps conduct an external review of sexual assault in the forces. In her report, the culture was described as hostile and endemic. A number of recommendations were made. Why are we wasting time with another review? Or what many survivors would say are wasting time with another review? Why can't we just get on? With the issue here.
0: So what the Deschamps report told us was uh, what what is wrong and what to do. Uh, but what we need is a better understanding of the why to get after the uh, the underlying issues of of the exclusionary aspects of our, our culture. Now we've got a structured such that we're getting we'll, we'll be getting periodic reports as this uh, as this external view uh, external. Um, uh, review happens, which is, is going to be necessary to rapidly implement uh, the, the recommendations. Um, I'll be right up front: we are not experts uh, in our in culture change, and so bringing in experts, bringing in that external view to illuminate the uh, the aspects of our institution that need to be changed, I think, uh, is is essential.
1: During the review announcement at uh, the end of April, you said to change our culture, we need leadership at every level to be engaged. You have been holding command team-level talks. Uh, I'd be curious to know about them. What is the response to the review, to the push for change? Is there pushback happening?
0: So I will be, uh, you know, to be completely honest, it's hard in a pandemic as you're doing everything virtually to read, uh, read the crowd as you talk. In fact, I just came from addressing uh, several hundred senior leaders virtually. Um, and when you don't get that audience feedback, it, it is hard. But the point I continue to make is we all have to be seized with the importance of this. We, we have to be um, viewing this as an existential threat. Because of those challenges I talked about, if we are not set as an institution to be able to defend Canada, um, we are uh, we're going to let the country down. And, and to do that, as society changes, as our, our, our makeup of our co- of our country changes, we have to be able to attract and retain talent from wherever or whatever segment of the Canadian society it comes from. If not, we are not going to be relevant.
1: You mentioned, uh, you know, you worry about letting the country down. Do you fear that that has already happened um, with um, the revelations that have come forward over the past number of months? There are, you know, we hear people saying, I can't believe what is happening. Or, you know, the question I asked you off the top, what the heck is happening? Um, You know, what about the military members themselves?
0: So we got to remember, Jaylen, that uh, this organization is almost 100,000 strong, and uh, and there are many. The majority are, are upstanding Canadians, great people who who want to serve their country, who want to go forth and uh, and do great things. So those who uh, are uh, are guilty of misconduct or who are accused of misconduct will follow due process and deal with them. Uh, but. Throughout all of this, we also have to remember that the Canadian Armed Forces has continued to deliver on operations, continued to deliver to protect Canadians here at home during this pandemic, uh, continue to advance Canadian interests overseas on the various operations that we're conducting.
1: Between now and the time the review is completed, which we expect I think about a year is what's being talked about. By the time it's done and the recommendations implemented, what are you doing and what is the CAF doing to ensure victims feel safe coming forward and that their allegations will be listened to and thoroughly investigated?
0: we're taking some immediate measures um, you know one is the uh, the stand-up of an internal organization the chief of professional uh, conduct and culture to help align and streamline uh, many of our, um, our our various reporting mechanisms to make that a uh, much easier process uh, but don't get me wrong uh, put, putting more structure to a problem is not the solution not a silver bullet uh, it's part of the solution it's got, it'll be part of the delib- uh, of building that deliberate comprehensive plan and being a platform on which to uh, to, to implement many of the recommendations that will come from the uh, Madame or our board but it's also very important um, that we don't rush to failure we got to uh, to listen we've got to learn Have those deliberate learning sessions deliberate listening sessions with our grassroots level uh, with those who've been affected listen to the accounts of uh, survivors uh, listen to the experts the outside uh, experts and the internal experts to to, to, to to get it right uh, because the costs of not getting it right are, are, are so important. This new um, organization that I just talked about is going to be empowered with authorities to make changes in such things as uh, um, our training, our entry-level training, our leader training uh, to make sure that our, our leaders as part of their our, um, uh, evolving understanding of human dynamics and leadership they've really got those human skills they understand the difference between the use and the abuse of power uh, we're about to issue a directive on um, on inclusion uh, and and incentivize it uh, for leaders down to the lowest levels to, to, to create truly inclusive teams uh, what we've done in the past is uh, is had a bit of a cookie cutter solution uh, to building teams. But as the makeup of our country changes, uh, we've got to change the way that we approach Team building and treat everybody as individuals, understanding their individual background, strengths, weaknesses, um, uh, developmental needs, uh, and create a sense where they truly belong, can truly contribute, and have the physical and psychological safety uh, to be able to, uh, to to feel they belong, contribute, put their hand up, identify when something is wrong, and only that way can we build the cohesion, the teams that are necessary for operational effectiveness. In the future
1: Lieutenant General Wayne Eyre joining me this afternoon. He is the acting chief of defense staff for the Canadian Armed Forces. Sure is a pleasure having you join the show this afternoon. Before I let you go, um, I'm curious to know, you know, when we talk about what is going on and in the military, it is an institution. It is built on, on decades and we have seen some change, but how optimistic are you that real effective change can and will happen? (sighs)
0: Yeah. <sighs> So, Jaylin, I have to be optimistic. Uh, we have to view this, uh, this current crisis as an opportunity. Uh, we cannot be defensive. We cannot rest on tradition, and this is the only way we have, uh, or this is the way we have done things forever, so we need to keep doing that. No, uh, we have to be open to new ways of doing business, and we, we absolutely have to change. And I get the sense uh, that there is that desire for change uh, down the chain as well. know what we absolutely have to do is live up to the values that we espouse. Uh, we hold ourselves to, or we say we hold ourselves to high, uh, uh, to high account, to, uh, uh, to, to high values. But when we don't, uh, especially at the, uh, the senior leader level, uh, that sense of betrayal is, is really magnified. When we have a say-do gap, it is, it is really magnified. Uh, and, and so embracing our values and making sure that all hold, um, hold them dear is really what we got to do going forward.
1: Uh, before I let you go, and we only have uh, about a minute left, uh, General Air, I know we've, we've talked a lot about uh, what has really been dominating uh, the news headlines when it comes to the military over the past number of months in this country. But as you mentioned off, off the top of the interview, there are many things that the military, um, you know, has on its radar right now. And I think it, it is important to know that, uh, you know, we have uh, thousands of military members, uh, you know, uh, Canadian military members that are busy. Uh, on the front, on the front lines of the vaccine and and uh, you know response to COVID and getting ready for Op lentis they're on standby for floods and fire. Uh, what else would be, you know, you know, obviously besides this huge file, uh, is it that you want people to know, want Canadians to know, want Albertans and Edmontonians to know that uh, is is checking the priorities on your list right now for for the uh, the men and women of the service?
0: So with everything else going on in the current crisis that we're in, our continue to deliver each and every day. Uh, during this pandemic, we've seen uh, we, we've seen the armed forces taking on some very non-traditional tasks. Whether it's long-term care facilities, whether it's helping inoculate uh, uh, Indigenous communities in northern Manitoba, uh, whether it's uh, helping out in, in Ontario as we speak with uh, uh, with the third wave, whether it's helping with the uh, and in fact planning the national distribution of uh, of the vaccine across the country, or, or our expeditionary operations that to continue to uh, but uh-huh. Uh, to operate in the face of this pandemic and continue to deliver. HMCS Calgary, currently in the Gulf of Oman, probably the most uh, successful rotation in terms of drug interdiction in the history of that mission. Uh, to date, uh, capturing over 29,000 kilograms of uh, illegal drugs. Um, and our own force, our own uh, vaccination efforts have been tremendous. Uh, I was briefed this morning that over 90% of our um, full timers in the armed forces have received their first dose. Super proud of that um and so we, your armed forces are on standby to protect canadians here at home we just had a big exercise in wainwright uh yes. which I, i'm sure you're tracking where we train one brigade to uh, to be our next uh, contingency force for standby we've got uh, re- immediate reaction units on standby across the country should floods or fires be necessary so i guess a key message for edmontonians say hey, the armed forces is uh, your armed forces is, is stands ready uh, stands ready to assist canadians to protect canadians here at home and do our business overseas
1: Lieutenant General Wayne Eyre, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for making time for us this afternoon. I look forward to speaking with you again in the future.
0: Great to talk to you
1: again, Jalen. Yeah, take care.